whoops i did it again i pressed record uh dude yeah this is like what take two this is this take isn't two. And we've done that a couple times recently no this is this is take two literally um up and then down and then re-recorded. I wouldn't go that far. I wouldn't. Go I mean, that I wasn't going to say that because people are going to wonder what was on the first one. Nothing. And maybe there's a, there's a few who have it. I don't know. I don't know how taking down podcasts works. Well, you, uh, there you were cursing quite a bit in the first <laughs> one. <laughs> See, I was thinking the common denominator is that uh, you were on the other side of the table both the times that we had to re-record. But I guess that logic goes both ways. So. <laughs> So yes. how are you this fine Wednesday? Uh, you know we're I'm I'm doing well. I'm doing well. We um, uh, uh, so I I was telling you the other day that uh, our house almost burned down um, because our candle just like didn't stop burning. It burnt through the candle and um, caught our little thing that it was sitting on on fire, and so we dealt with that. <laughs> And then my washer uh, stopped working. Broke, yeah, yeah, that's right. So that's been fun. Have you been and hand then, washing your underwear? Um, that's the only way I've hand washed my underwear. False. Katie's been hand washing it. <laughs> <laughs> so the washing machine has gone out. And then yesterday, our our garbage disposal uh, went out, and I can't figure out for the life of me why it went out oh man because it's it's relatively new it's not like it's you know 20 years old it's only a year everything's breaking so everything's breaking in our household but you know god's god's gracious and yeah and is that uh, you know it always comes in twos and threes so hopefully the garbage disposal was was and your kids come in fives and (laughs) the kids come in fives so other than that, we're doing great. Great. Good. Yeah. Glad to hear it. Cool. So if there's any Maytag repairmans out there. Uh, I know a guy named Steve. Steve he does a good yes, job. Do. I told you about Steve. You did tell me about Steve. My wife called Steve. Is he coming? I don't know. He never got back to her. So It's not the Steve I know. <laughs> it's not the... <laughs> so other oh, than that, man. we're doing we're doing well. Yeah, getting ready for getting ready for Sunday and that's about it. So What's happening on Sunday? Um cuz I feel like there's a little my calendar's a little out of the ordinary and it just Can you what is happening? Well, church is happening. Oh, specifically happening on Sunday. Wait, am I doing your job? Well, you've always been doing my job. Yeah, but people I've... don't always know it. It's not as visible as it will be this Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, I'm yeah, leading the music. You're leading, I'm leading the singing. You are leading the worship this Sunday, which yeah. I'm excited for. Where are you going to be? Are you going on vacation? I'm going to be at church. We're doing what? Why am I doing your job? Oh, uh, that's right. You're preaching. Unfortunately, yes. That is exciting. Unfortunately. So this is Let's your... Let's unpack that. This is your... Un- unfortunately. <laughs> this is your opportunity for those who are listening to uh, steer as far away from Sun Valley Church this Sunday. Not only because Rick's leading worship, but because... Hey, <laughs> keep this about the royal we, which does not include the unroyal me. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I am... Um, you and your books and learning. Uh, <laughs> I'm preaching on Sunday, so that's happening. That is happening. 
Dude, well, so. we're not, you're not preaching today, so what are we talking about? Yeah, we... So Which we, attribute of God? We are not doing the attributes of God today. We we concluded that that short little study of it last last Wednesday. Oh, that's right. That's that's what you told me yesterday when I said the same thing. We said the same thing. <laughs> so we're not off I'm to a I'm having flashbacks. Uh, <laughs> so we finished the perfections last Sunday, and we are moving into the listeners' Q&A today. So... That's what we're. That's what we're doing. People. People sent in questions. We're still looking for more. So if if you have something that is running through your mind, feel free to send it our way, and we'd be happy to answer it. Hopefully in one take, not not multiple. Yeah, we can't keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but today we're actually we're going to answer two questions because I think I think they relate to one another. Uh, but the first one's a great question because it's it's looking at the life of David and his relationship to his father-in-law and his king, Ooh. which is the same person. Yeah. Saul. Who was trying to kill him. Who was trying to kill him. That's awkward. That is super. I, hey, what are you guys doing for Thanksgiving? <laughs> well, we used to get together, but then dad tried to kill my husband yeah. over and over and over again. Our, so we just can't even... Probably going to Denny's. Thankfully, thankfully, my father-in-law hasn't hurled spears at me trying to pin me against the wall. Right, just insults. Um, just insults. Yeah. <laughs> Not saying that he hasn't no, thought a, it. You have a great but, father-in-law. I've met yeah, him. He, he actually thinks pretty highly of you. Well, as do I. Well, we're having a moment. <laughs> yeah. So, what's going on with David? Yeah. So the question. The question is so. So uh, the context of this question comes from First Samuel twenty-four, which we're going to read that little portion here in a second. But David is in the wilderness. He's in the caves of the goat, the, Engedi? Engedi, the gates of gate gates, caves of Engedi, the wild wild goats, wild goats rocks. Uh, and so he's in the yeah. cave. He's mm-hmm. he's fleeing from Saul. Uh, I think I think he's he is doing Saul. that. He and did that a lot. He did that a lot. And then Saul shows up in the cave, and he's got to go to to the bathroom. It, the way of nature. Yeah, he's got the way of nature. And so David has the opportunity to take Saul's life and just end in a very vulnerable state. The case, yes, in a very vulnerable state. <laughs> but the back. question, the question is single use restrooms. <laughs> The question is, is what has David planted in his heart from God's word that his conscience told him in that cave not to kill Saul and how to live and honor him? He has the opportunity to kill Saul. His 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 soldiers are telling him, here's your opportunity. And David says, no, I can't no. do that. And actually, the question um, is a pretty <clears throat> profound question, um, and I'm not sure if the person who asked it really realized how profound it was because what what David's got going on here in the cave is actually um, two competing uh, words of God not from God mm-hmm. but he had some pretty influential people in his life telling him God God told you this and here it is right, right and if he hadn't meditated on what God had actually said then he might it might have ended differently yeah and um, everything would have been different after that. So what happens was, okay, so I'll pick up in 24, um, verse 3. So Saul, uh, er, so David came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave. 
No, okay, so Saul went in. Saul came to the sheepfolds, by the way, and where there was a cave, and Saul went in to relieve himself. Now David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave, and the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. He said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hands against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. Um, So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. So in verse 4, what do, his, what do David's men say to him? And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hand, and you shall do to him as you shall seem good to you, as it shall seem good to you. And so if we're being careful readers, mm-hmm. what question are we asking at this point? Uh, that's a great question. When did, yeah, when, when did, exactly, Jared, when did... <laughs> When did God say that to him? Because have, have we read that? Well, we have, no, we have no recorded indication that the Lord ever said that to David. Mm-hmm. If the Lord did say that to David, hey, I'm, there's a day coming when I'm going to give Saul into your hand, do to him whatever you want, then David, would, it wouldn't make sense what he says in verse 6, the Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, to mm-hmm. my Lord Saul. Right. Um, if God had given him carte blanche to do whatever he wanted, then uh, then David shouldn't have had any moral quandary in right. putting his hand against Saul. I mean, David was already anointed mm-hmm. by Samuel the prophet. Mm-hmm. The Holy Spirit had already left Saul. Uh, and that's a piece that I think we need to revisit in just a moment. Yeah. But what I think as far as the, the easiest answer to the question, what did David put in his heart? I mean, we're not specifically told. But we know that there was obviously a fear of the Lord there that was informed by God's revelation. Yeah. And I think Exodus twenty two twenty eight might have a part to play in that, where it says, You shall not revile God nor curse a ruler of your people. Well, that's a, that's a verbal thing that we do, right? Cursing mm-hmm. is a verbal attack right. of a profound spiritual nature. Yeah. Like this cursing in Israel was more than just, curse you, Red Baron. You like know, you were doing yesterday Brown, on the podcast. Which is why we have to re-record <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, now, if, but that, my point is that if, if verbal cursing is, is not on the table for the godly mm-hmm. of a ruler of God's people, mm-hmm. which is what the king of Israel was, yeah. how much less physical cursing in the most extreme form, which would be death. Right. You, you shall not put him to raise your hand against him. Right. 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 So I think that's probably what David, uh, David was processing. Yeah. So, so it, several times David says, this is, this is the Lord's anointed. This is the Lord's anointed. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. And so, and so what is, what does that entail? Cause we, we, we talked about this on a podcast a few, maybe a year or two ago about the theocratic anointing. Yeah. How does, how does that, how does a theocratic anointing, first of all, 
remind us what that is. Right. And then secondly, how does that how does that play into David's thought process, thought process. here? Yeah, and that's another thing that was in David's heart, you yeah. know, because he, he knew his Pentateuch. Right. He knew the books of Moses. And in those books, beginning in Exodus, we see that, that with the formation of the nation of Israel, they are unlike any other nation in history. They are a theocratic nation. That means that God directly rules over them as king. Right. Right? But then what happens at that point is God gives his spirit to certain people, and it has nothing to do with their own personal godliness. It has nothing to do even with their own conversion yeah. or faith in Messiah, the way yeah. that in the New Testament, the only way to have the Holy Spirit is to become a child of God right. through the new birth and faith in Christ. And everybody who has faith in Christ has the Holy Spirit as a seal of the inheritance coming to us. Well, in the Old Testament, before Pentecost um, and before Christ finished work, that's not how it worked. Even the most faithful Jews who would who are saved and in heaven because they looked forward in anticipation of God's promised Messiah, they didn't, most of them didn't have the Holy Spirit. But the, the Spirit's function in the Old Testament in relation to the, the chosen nation over which God ruled directly as king is he would empower people like Bezalel and Oholiab mm-hmm. as craftsmen mm-hmm. to make fine works of art that would become the tabernacle. Um, he empowered Moses to lead God's people. He mm-hmm. empowered Joshua as Moses' successor, put the mantle of anointing on Joshua because he's going to step into your place to right. lead. And so it's God empowering leaders of Israel. He does this with the judges. He did it with Saul. We know that in First Samuel 10. Mm-hmm. So God had anointed, literally anointed with the Holy Spirit, Saul, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even though Saul was a wicked man who disobeyed. And so David understood this. Yeah. Whom God has anointed... I can't slay, right. even if God's promised that I'm going to succeed him. Because of what God's done in making Saul king to begin with, God's going to have to be the one to remove him, because I'm not going to act against what the Lord has sovereignly brought about with this particular figure. Now, there's a critical difference, though, between someone like a Saul and someone like a, a like Mao or... Um, you know, Xi Jinping in China, um, or Vladimir Putin, or Joe Biden, or the mayor of the city. I mean, and no, the thing is, the theocratic nation of Israel, mm-hmm. there's been a covenantal shift. Mm-hmm. We are the church, um, a holy race, a chosen royal priesthood. Um, that covenantal language, be- it becomes the church. And right now, the nation of Israel over in Palestine is not a believing nation. They're not the theocratic nation. There's mm-hmm. been a shift under the new covenant where Hebrews makes an extended point, going back to Jeremiah and Ezekiel, that there's been, there was a, a doing away of one law and an establishment of a new mm-hmm. because there was a change of priesthood, mm-hmm. which came when Jesus became our great high priest. Mm-hmm. And so the theocratic anointing ended. Jesus was anointed, the, the, the theocratic king of Israel, mm-hmm. Right? We see that at his baptism. Mm-hmm. But since that time, it's only been the indwelling Holy Spirit in all of God's people. Yeah. So it was something that was unique to David's time that is not to ours anymore. Right. So uh, we know that just prior to this text in, in 1 Samuel 24 that uh, Saul had sinned. He, he did what he was not supposed to. And the the... And so the 
new king was to be established by Samuel. He was supposed to go find um, someone to to be that king, which would eventually be David, right? So he goes and he finds he finds David, and it says that that um, once David was anointed as king by Samuel, that the spirit of God actually departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit. Uh, from the Lord tormented Saul. And so the Spirit of God left Saul, and it was uh, rushed upon David at that point. So so what do we do with that fact there, that the Spirit of God actually had departed from Saul and was now on da- resting on David mm. with, with the language here in 1 Samuel 24, where he's speaking of the Lord's anointed. This is, this is God's chosen servant here. Yeah, that's a really good question. Um... To to put it in the words of my friend Jeremy, what what do we do with that? <laughs> That's a great question. I know. That's uh, a great question. No, I think what we do with it is 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 we see that um, God declared that Saul was on the way out, but providentially he wasn't gone yet. Right. So da- so even though even though David's on the run, David's also on the rise. Yeah. Which you look at that already not yet tension, and that happens in many places. Like, let's look at the New Testament, right? Uh, we sing this. We sing about the church victorious. Well, there are some points uh, all throughout yeah. church history where yeah. it doesn't look so much like the church is victorious, yeah. and yet we know that she is. Yeah. And she will be. Satan's kingdom's on the way out. It's been decisively defeated. But there's a not yet aspect to which we long work, pray for. Sure. And, and that blessed hope, Titus says, is the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, and the final enemy to be defeated is death. So I think there's that kind of a dynamic going on there with, um, with Saul and David. And David mm-hmm. knew that. Mm-hmm. And I think David, he, he, he modeled what genuine trust in the Lord looks like, where even though it had been promised it was not yet the reality and david wasn't about to be the one to take it on his own terms yeah 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 that's good that's good so now so now the question shifts to us nowadays this is this is our second question from from our listener uh is how how should my attitude or what should my attitude and words and overall demeanor demeanor be towards our current governor and president what what should my words Ooh. and actions look like towards it's a really good question my current governor 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 uh, and president it sounds like you're trying to say governor whitmer governor gretchen whitmer in michigan governor governor it just saves time it does <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah, throw her into the mix. She's 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 right up there with our governor. Yeah. In fact, surpassing in some ways. What are your thoughts, man? Where what 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 did the Holy Spirit prick your heart with as you were contemplating that question, Pastor Jeremy? Uh, I'm working on a sermon, so I can't. Oh, your your spirit sensitivity has been <laughs> it's fully engaged in other texts, which for which I'm uh, yes, excited. I. Uh... No, uh, my my first initial uh, thought went to First um, Timothy two. First Timothy two was was the passage that that came to mind as I was as I was 
thinking through and contemplating this question and really thinking about the, the context in which Paul is writing this. Um, Paul, Paul's on his way out, right? This is, this is kind of the end for Paul, and he's writing to Timothy, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. And we know that, that Nero was, was on the throne at that point over, over Rome. Um, I don't think that he started the whole like lighting of Christians yet. Maybe he had, I don't know. Um, but we do know that, that Nero was a little psychotic, uh, just yeah. just a just tiny a bit. Little bit. Um, so so I would assume that it's Paul Paul, <laughs> Paul would 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 vehemently disagree with probably ninety nine percent of what Nero was saying right. and doing. Yeah, and um, you know, thinking about some of the things that are being said and done within our own government, uh, most Christians would sit here and go, "That's not right." This is not good. This is this right. is wrong. And um, interestingly enough, um, Paul Paul when he stands trial before C- the Caesar to which he appealed mm-hmm. in Acts, mm-hmm. um, it was Nero, mm-hmm. and it was in his house imprisonment um, in at the end of Acts. For it was from that house imprisonment that we, which he had a lot of leeway there. Right. Uh, right. Visitors receives, he was teaching the word um, that we see him write Philippians. And he says, I actually have every expectation that I'm going to be released and I'll be restored to you. Yeah. Because what happened with Nero earlier on in his reign was it, things weren't bad for Christians in sure. the earlier part of Nero's reign. But then something shifted. Rome burned, it, Nero burned Rome down. Like yeah. he started this crazy fire. It was catastrophic. And he shifted his tune and he blamed the Christians. And then he started lighting them on fire, yeah. you know, as payback or whatever, which it, it wasn't their fault. But you're right. It was bad. Yeah. And was what, what does Paul say about uh, kings? Kings. And authority <laughs> figures such as little Nero. Yeah. So Paul's, Paul's writing to Timothy. And he says this, he says, first of all, in chapter two, it says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions that, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly, dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our savior. So we should be praying for them? Praying. That's profound, and I mean it. I'm not being facetious, yeah. um, and it's convicting because I know far too often um, my words are not prayer for leaders with whom I disagree. Right. It's um, jokes at their expense, yeah. snide comments, um, which there's. I believe there's a, a legitimate place for um, sharp discourse, sure, disagreement, sure, and even mockery. Sure. In, I mean, we see God doing that Himself in Psalm two. Um, you know, why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. We see Gavin Newsom down in California doing this right now. Mm-hmm. He's got billboards up in states around the country, quoting Jesus' words, love your neighbor as yourself, to say there, we are a state that does that. We are a state that honors Jesus' words. We are the loving state, so come here to have your abortion mm-hmm. because you're your harsh, judgmental, so-called Christian state, which isn't really Christian, is saying you can't have an abortion now. That row's been overturned, so come over here. And John MacArthur wrote a public letter. That that was too much for MacArthur. And he just recently wrote it um, to Newsom, and he had some sharp words for Newsom. Um, One of the things 
so so my point is that we can have that kind of sharp disagreement and even there are some christians who expose the evil of something and the insanity of it through holy mockery Mm -hmm. kind of in vein of what the prophets would do so like there's the a Babylon place for that. Like the Babylon Bee. No, uh, you know, yeah, actually. Um, and I don't think those two things are mutually exclusive. In fact, I know they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they should be undergirded with the kind of respect sure. um, and prayerfulness, genuine mourning for the evil and the gravity of what that means for the very real soul behind those things because that's a person who doesn't know christ Mm -hmm. that's not only acting consistently with being an unbeliever but then taking it to some of its more extensive conclusions yeah uh and that's the kind of person we need to be praying for uh, along with ourselves we need to be also i think christians god has a history of placing christians in positions of authority (coughs) for the sake of influencing people who are doing just that who are setting themselves up against the lord and against his anointed trying to cast off truth right william wilberforce and the abolition of slavery is a fantastic example of that and so um i think there are some christians to whom god is called uh, whom god is called to run for and seek and hopefully obtain political office Mm -hmm. And I want to stop you right there. I'm, stop you right there. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because, uh, you know, William Wilberforce was was thinking about getting out of politics and going into the ministry, right? Is In it, order is, to yeah, be a faithful Christian. Yeah, because he became a Christian after he went into office. Right. Right. Um, but but wasn't it John Newton that convinced him to actually stay? It was in politics. Yep. For the for that very purpose is. Yeah. To, to do the work of a Christian right. within the political realm. Yeah, and so if, if Christian, there are Christians who have this position that politics is inherently corrupt, so Christians shouldn't seek that kind of change in society. Mm-hmm. And if by that they mean we should not put our hope in politics, yes and amen, yeah. right? Like we shouldn't. Sure. But I don't know any actual biblically-minded Christian who seriously is saying our hope, our salvific hope, or our hope in this world at all, is in political change. I yeah. don't. I don't hear right. that being said right. um, by people who actually read their Bible and fear the Lord. Yeah. But what I do hear sometimes is that because our ultimate hope isn't in politics, therefore we shouldn't have anything to do with it. And that would be to put government on par with professions like stripper and prostitute, things that by their very nature. Um, have no redemptive place and are by nature sinful. Mm. And that's just not what we read in Scripture. We see instead in Romans 13 um, that the authorities that exist have been placed there by God. God in in Genesis 9 is where theologians mostly see the beginning of human government, and it was originating from God in the context of having uh, a a just execution of the death penalty Mm. in the administration of human government. So, yeah, we need to be careful there in how we think about it and realize, yeah, this isn't our hope, but it's also got some important value in God's sight because God doesn't just save our souls, he saves our bodies. Mm-hmm. And whatever love your neighbor looks like, it looks like doing tangible good. So First John, we see if anybody's, you know, well, actually I'm thinking James right now, if anybody sees a, a, a hungry brother or sister and says, may you go in the peace of Jesus, warm, be well filled, then James calls it a dead faith. Mm. So because we have ultimate spiritual hope of redemption, we need to be doing tangible bread giving good to our neighbor and at its root politics is how do we steward our civic life for human flourishing and that's going to include things like affordable bread gas 
eggs, the things that people are strapped right now to get that have a direct link back to policies with which we would robustly disagree from a biblical worldview. And so that's where we, I think, you know, what do we do? What do we do with these, you know, governors and presidents who we currently sit under? Pray for them. Very robustly disagree with them. Sometimes even call them to repentance because how are how are human governors and leaders going to know what God requires of them because they're going to stand before him to give an account of the right. discharge of the office he himself gave to them and if they're not going to go to scripture then i think it's going to be the believers who are put in strategic places to tell them about it like right. paul right standing right. before felix yeah. in acts 24 saying what did he discourse on with felix Righteousness, self-control, and the coming judgment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, we can't abandon the prophetic voice that we've been given as believers. Um, John the Baptist before Herod. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then if there's a leader who's just staunchly digging their heels and they're not repenting, we keep praying for their repentance as we oppose them. Yep. Because God cares what happens down here because it's, well, it's what we sing. This is my Father's world. world. May we never forget. May we never forget. And though the strong, so let's put, you know, governors and presidents, though the wrong seem oft so strong, he is the ruler yet. And that's the the strong, joyful basis from which we engage. And some believers are going to be called to it more directly than others. Um, We have a woman in our church who's deeply involved in the local political process. I love that. She's motivated by her faith. And she's seeking to do tangible good to her neighbor because we, we have a, a unique situation in America as a constitutional republic with a lot of, well, increasingly less, but local autonomy. Like it's the more local politics where love of neighbor can get expressed in some critical ways. Yeah. That would include how we steward our vote. And I point people back to podcasts we did back in 2020 about how do we think about voting in a Christian worldview. Right. So right. anyway. Yeah. yeah. End of... End of rambling thoughts (laughs) biblical meditations yeah no i I, and i think this is a this is a great question because um obviously this the person who sent this is is struggling through this yep they're they're seeing they're seeing this in 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 their life um possibly that that maybe my attitude towards these people that that god god has actually put in place is is not right doesn't mean that i agree with them doesn't mean that i I you know, go and support their decisions that they're making. No, sure. absolutely not. But, uh, but my my attitude, my words, my 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 you know just overall demeanor is is maybe not what it should be. And I think for a lot of us, it's easy just to off the cuff say things. Yeah. Uh, especially especially things that are just so so flamboyant, so out there. Yes. That that. Our natural response is just to, to kick back immediately and not not really think about what we're saying or or or, or how our response is, uh, but but with a question like this is is how do I how do I actually stop and think about these people that are put here by God? Um, how how should I respond as a Christian towards them? Right, and I think it's helpful to know that it doesn't mean that we 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 capitulate to to what they're saying and doing and and. It, it, it actually just means that we need to love them in the way that Scripture has commanded us to love them. Yeah, that's a convicting thought. I mean, that's a really. I think you're. I think you're right on the head of the nail right there. Um, 
if if a, if we were to have a Christian, if we were to have some of the comments we make recorded and broadcast as a biblical talk radio show, political mm-hmm. talk radio show, informed by our worldview, would some of those comments, if if the comments we make or the jokes, would preclude us being able to say, "Thus saith the Lord," you must repent. Mm-hmm. Or you must do this or that because God expects it differently of you. Could they, with just with a just accusation, look back and say, "Aren't you the guy who just called me an idiot?" Mm-hmm. Who, yeah, okay. Thus saith who? Is he? You know, like we need to be super cautious. Our talk radio shows probably should look quite a bit different than some mm-hmm. of the sure. major ones yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah. Ben Shapiro is not speaking as a Christian. Right. Uh, Matt Walsh, I, I think I believe I get the sense that he's a believer. I think Ali Bestucky does a a uh, pretty good job, um, you know, and she's she's a believer. Mm-hmm. She's interviewed John MacArthur and Wayne Grudem, and mm-hmm. um, she's, I think, a good example. And she has some very tough things to say to those people. Right. And she points out the folly and madness. Like, she just did a, a really, <laughs> really funny uh, mock ad as the spokesman of the Democrat Party hmm. to expose yeah, the yeah, folly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's the kind of uh, satire that I think is is modeling the biblical vision yeah. of how we engage with words. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. for what it's worth, those are my reflections and thoughts. Some people would disagree with what I just said, and that's fine. But I think at the root of it, we're all in the same spot. Fear God, honor the emperor, pray for your leaders, work for the good of your neighbor. Sometimes that means going to get involved with the political process or even seeking high office, mm-hmm. in which great. Mm-hmm. Someone's got to do it. Mm-hmm. God appointed it. I would rather it be his people. Mm-hmm. They're going to do a better job right. because they are operating under his authority, right? the authority of his word. Yeah. Oh, these are great questions. It's it's good to see how how the people are, are thinking uh, because it helps us helps us think through uh, how how to how to answer how to respond to yeah to what you guys are thinking so again if you have <clears throat> if you have any questions that you would like answered by myself well not myself by Rick by the royal and, we yeah. <laughs> <laughs> feel free to feel free to send them in because we still we still have a handful that we're we're gonna be making our way through over the next few weeks and I'm excited to get to them so Rick thanks yeah for, thank you for podcasting I'm uh, I'm excited to get back at it next week cool. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday next week on The Voice of Valley. Have a great day.